it is time to tune up the band and have a nice, fresh, toasty slapjack, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dan and Reardon, as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. But it's not just us this week. We have someone who is just insane enough to, to actually return to the podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to say, our dear friend host of Wrestling With Fiction, and now that incredible guy in the British indie scene, our dear Fred Cotter, is back once again. Hello, everyone. Oh, I mean, thank you for getting the acronym in there, Fatigue. I, I love that. Thank you. We do our research here. Oh, oh you've, you've really done it. <laughs> So, yeah, before, you know, like we get into the whole thing and, and the whole spiel, Connor, it has been a while since you've been on and you have been up to a lot, especially now that you are a professional wrestler. How have you been getting on with that? I mean, first of all, still hearing like the name. Oh, yeah, you're a professional wrestler now. <laughs> feels a bit weird, but we're there. We're there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's been mental. Honestly, it's been absolutely insane. Just like just from training and even just like a couple months ago having like a debut show. Mm. It 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 only really sunk in, like that actually happened like a couple days after the actual thing happened. It was like, oh I Oh, I actually did go out in scanly tight clothing and try and win a match. I, I did that. Wow. <laughs> you know what this means now? Yeah. This means now we've got to uphold the promise of what we said when you first came on, when we said you were the love child of Raven and Brian Pillman. We need to get you a velour velvet satin shirt now to make to to, to skip the full nineties Raven look. I mean, yeah, oh, I mean, I on top to... of that, don't worry. Yeah, yeah don't worry, don't worry. Uh, I mean, I've got the long hair now. I can't get rid of it. It's too late. <laughs> like even just like starting out in training was like, oh, I can't get rid of my hair now. It's an established look. I can't shave it off. <laughs> if memory serves me correct, do correct me if I'm wrong. You are you were uh, trained by Cara Noir, if memory serves me correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, that's still mental. Uh, <laughs> if if you told me a year ago, oh yeah, no, you're gonna go train with Cara Noir, I I I would tell you you're lying. There's no way I would believe that. <laughs> now, was it his decision for you to keep the long hair? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Uh, I think it was just a decision on me and just a couple people was like, oh, your selling will look really good if you keep the long hair. <laughs> ah, the Triple H selling. Just exactly, wet yeah. your hair no, and there, blow it all over the place. There is an art to the hair cell. If you can nail it perfectly, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, especially if you get hit with like a really good strike and you just flick the hair. It's like, oh my God, are you okay? It was like, oh, I'm great. I'm great. <laughs> All I'm saying is, it's just a shame that Spike can't do that. Anyway, <laughs> how are you? How are you two chaps as well? But before we go on, how are you two? <laughs> mad, we are in a Mad Max flurry in Reardon HQ right now, just trying to get stuff done, including this podcast. So we're just we I am vibing. I am vibrating at like. My, how much coffee my, have you had? My, my, my feeling is the, ti is the title of the movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yes, yes, that is it. That is exactly it. <laughs> I mean, there could be worse film titles or films to be there compared to. There could be much worse film titles. It's a hell that of a movie. That is completely true. <laughs> 
hell of a movie. What a great... <laughs> God, great I got to see that movie again. Same, anyway. same. Anyway, we'll get, in that case, Rudin, we will we will speed along as fast as we can with this. We give you this podcast. Thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. You know, guys, we are not WWE constantly misusing Mustafa Ali. We here at the Sweet Chinwag Podcast know what the people want. And what the people want is for us to be pending. And by God, we always have been and always, always will be pending other platforms. With a cap- That is facts with a capital F on every single part. <laughs> even even platforms that even platforms that might get bought by Elon Musk, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Hey, like I like I said on our Twitter, we're there till the heat death. <laughs> we're riding this one out, boys. <laughs> I've already prepared my escape plan. <laughs> I know my exits. No. Before we get on to this episode, all about retribution, if you could not tell from the opening <laughs> spiel of mine, <laughs> it is time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 down. Wrestling news. All right, let's get into it. Um, we're going to be kicking off um, pretty much just solely focusing on uh, Full Gear, which is coming up very, very soon. As of recording, it's tonight. There you go. That's very soon. (laughs) That is very soon. (laughs) Um, We're going to give a quick rundown of the card, and then we'll do our predictions, and then you can tell us how wrong we were. (laughs) All right. Shall I Um, I go over the card? I've got the card up in front of me. Awesome. Uh, Okay. So let's go over with Zero Hour, the pre-show. Oh, guys, I'm a very happy guy. Not only me, but I think a lot of people are very happy peeps that we get on the pre-show a match that Eddie Kingston has wanted his entire, entire life. It's Eddie Kingston versus Jun Akiyama. I don't care if this is a three-star classic or if this is a five-star classic or as Pat Patterson would term the drizzling shits. I just love the fact that Eddie's finally getting a match he's wanted his entire life. And I'm so could not be any more happier for the dude. It's 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 as simple as that, really. It's just the the guy who wanted the who wanted this match to make his entire career is now getting this match. Like, what I want there to say, <laughs> I want an exploder suplex spot on the apron. I want Jun to dump Eddie on his head on the apron. <laughs> I want this to. I want. Eddie Kingston and Jun Akiyama to just have the most absurd AJ Dub- AJPW tribute classic on the pre-show of Full Gear. <laughs> I want this to be like 20 minutes, just like an absurd amount of absolute just spikes being done and just have this match exist as some weird relic of the past that travelled like 30 years into the future. If this match is purely for free people it's for me joseph montecilio and iq wrestler <laughs> i feel I, that's all can, this match can, is for I can just i can just picture like all like the the wrestling publications that's like watch this match and just like this match was just like useless and there's just a small group of people that are just going yes <laughs> Where's that Kurt Angle clip of him going, yeah! 
<laughs> yeah, this is going to be a great match. Uh, if as I said, it doesn't have to be a five star classic, but it just for me, it's just nice to know Eddie's getting his dream match. I think for that reason, it's going to be great. And there's a part of me that think Eddie might might win this. I think they go for the home advantage and have Eddie win I this. I have a feeling he will. Hmm. Hmm. I I I I think he'll lose. Actually, I don't know why. To be quite honest with you, it's a tough one to call. It's a very tough one to call. But I think he's gonna lose it. Interesting. I, I think I'm gonna go with Eddie. Like I feel, he's kind of been having a lot of losses recently, and I think he's still seen. I think by fans and also like AEW as the company is one of their top stars. Yeah. Mm. I think him having a big win over Japanese wrestling legend Junakiyama could be really, you know, in the current like day, like good for him. Because, mm. like, he's kind of been used a lot recently to help establish guys going up the card, like Ethan Page, for example. Yeah. And also, I selfishly, I want to see Eddie Kingston cut promos on MJF. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> that, that just sounds fun to me. Yeah, yeah it, really, it really does. Honestly, it was like, if anyone watched Rampage, I, I really like the tag match. Um, and yeah, it's, I, have, it's I, have, just a, I have yet to, but I'm, I'm going to be doing it Just later. a tiny taster of what we're going to get at full gear. I'm oh, so, so hyped to see that one. So hyped. The next match on the pre-show, it's the best friends. Orange Cassidy, Trent Beretta, and Chuck Taylor with Rocky Romero and Danhausen versus The Factory. The team of QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, Lee Johnson, Nick Comoroto, and Cole Carter. Cole Carter? No. <laughs> it's it's the best friends to lose, right? I right? I hate I hate to say I, it. <laughs> see, this is the thing, right? Because I've been hearing all this talk about evil Danhausen. So mm. is this the vehicle for evil Danhausen? Are we getting evil Danhausen? I mean, like plastic bag know. on head, Danhausen? He he's he's just been, he's just been tweeting all this stuff recently. <clears throat> That makes me believe that this is the case. Of course, I could be being worked because you never know. Yeah, to be fair, Twitter is a little uh, uh, yeah. busy right now, so he might just be on that stuff. Yeah, he frankly, might, he might have been doing in, his thing. That, that is in character for Danhausen, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just love the idea that like Cutie Marshall accidentally unleashes evil Danhausen into the world. That would be great. Can you book that for us, Connor? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I need to, need to get the pen out. I need to come out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> what does that happen now, Dad? Have you? <laughs> evil, evil Danhausen says swearing is allowed. Oh dear, I'm just swearing. <laughs> and yeah, I yeah, best friend. I you think it might actually be a best friend. Best, I'm gonna go best friends because I I just don't know. Like, mm. all right, the factory are there, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no, I think it's the factory. I think is going to get this one. Honestly, I'm, I'm with Reardon on that one. <laughs> what do you think, Connor? Uh, I, I feel like I got, I got to go best friends. Like, mm. I feel like with the factory, I feel like they're kind of established at a certain level whereas like best friends you kind of slot them anywhere mm. like it's it's odd to me because i feel like 
best friends, I feel like in AEW, they've always kind of been... Uh, if it was like a graph, it would be like zigzagging. <laughs> yes. We're like, in a good way as well, because it shows like they've got a lot of versatility. You can kind of put them wherever. Mm. I feel like that's kind of the reason why you need them to have a win here. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I look at the factory and I'll be honest with you, I don't watch AEW Dark or like uh, Dark Elevation, but I had no idea Lee Johnson was in the factory until like a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah, because he had to get demoted down from the Nightmare Factory because Cody don't work there anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure Cody they'll Rhodes get their moment. Yeah, like I'm sure they'll get their time to shine because Lee Johnson is wicked. Lee Johnson is, I feel he is criminally underutilized. I feel in AEW, um, he's more talented. I think a lot of people give him credit for. That's for damn sure. Um, I, think I think it's just the case they haven't. At least from my perspective, there just hasn't really been a big opportunity to showcase what he can do just yet. Like, we've had yeah. glimpses of it, like his stuff with Miro, for example, I think was like a really cool thing. Mm. Uh, that brief tag team he had with Brock Anderson, yep. I thought could have led to something. But you, honestly, you never really know. Wrestling's unpredictable. Yeah, wrestling's <laughs> just... weird. Wrestling's weird, like, man. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. there might there might just come a day where he's put into this new group and he gets a massive amount of time to shine. You never really know. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, in the final pre-show match, it is a little bit of a rejig of the card because now we're getting the Championship Eliminator Tournament semi-finals happening at full gear. It is Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks, and I think we are all in unanimous agreement. That Ricky Stark should win this one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Look, if, if, if there is anyone in this world who is saying Brian Cage should win, I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> I just know their bad vibes. Maybe it's that chiropractor guy that once had Brian Cage on. But apart from that, <laughs> I mean, it, it, they're the kind of they're the kind of people that drink Monster and listen to Godsmack. Okay, fight me. <laughs> Wear affliction, yes. Yes. <laughs> We're talking. They wear, they, they wear no fear gear, unironically. Hey, Scotty Too Hotty wore no fear, <laughs> no fear gear in 2004. <laughs> Are you telling me anything about Scotty Too Hotty isn't incredibly ironic in itself? <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> but serious, no. re- serious wrestler Scotty Too Hotty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you had yeah, yeah, you got me on that one, but no. Um, Ricky Starks has been so damn consistent. I feel like uh, uh, so damn consistent this year, booking wise, he hasn't been very much. But I feel like every time he's been put into a position where he can shine, he absolutely did. I mean, take um, uh, Dynamite Grand Slam for example. He was that match was terrific, um, and I feel like twenty twenty three will be kind to Ricky Starks if he's given the chance. To show what he can do. And I feel this might be... I would like this to be the platform for Ricky to do it. Honestly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, any I don't know really many people who are arguing that Ricky Sock shouldn't be in the main event scene. And I don't know why you would argue that. Billy Corgan, perhaps? <laughs> I mean, let's look at his booking decisions lately. <laughs> I mean, like... Yeah, but that's like the difference of saying like, oh, my day could be worse. I could have been run over. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. Remind me but... not to drink water when <laughs> you do something, when you say something like that. <laughs> 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 I 
I almost I almost spat that it, out of my nose. Yeah, it, could, it could be worse. He could be being booked by NWA because he'd probably get fed to Tyrus right now, <laughs> which is uh, which is a hellscape. <laughs> the less said about the NWA, the the better, because I don't want to be giving out free clout. That's <laughs> that's true. Uh, so, are we all in agreement that Ricky Stark should win this one? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, 100%. we are. Yeah. <laughs> like Ricky, I feel like next year could just be a breakout babyface thing for him. Mm. Like I, I mean, as we were already talking about NWA, that's when I first saw him. Yeah, like it was before his like Dynamite <clears throat> debut, and I just thought, well, I really want to just see him break out as a babyface. Yeah, everyone, hold on to the vision. Ricky oh. Starks versus MJF. Hold Don't on to it. the vision. Oh. The vision is here. I, I love machines, but we, we all got a root for something that's absolute, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I like that, Connor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eyes on the prize, boys. <laughs> Eyes on the prize. All righty. That brings us to the main part of forget what there's too many fucking matches as per usual there, there are far too many on this all right we we've addressed this already <laughs> so it's a three-way match for the AEW TNT championship it's wardlow versus samoa joe versus powerhouse hobbs the uh, hoss fest the hoss fest indeed samoa joe has finally turned heel uh and attacked wardlow uh this leads us to this grudge match with powerhouse hobbs also in the picture of this um Samoa Joe is still TV champion, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's still yeah. TV champion. <clears throat> so I would have said Joe, but I feel like because they now, because we're now right in the midst of as we're in the lead up to final battle, that brings that's it brings a lot of questions in my air as, in the air as to whether they will do that or not. Honestly, I mean, honestly, I'm leaning towards booking, a Wardlow retain. Just... Yeah, I think my, my Wardlow... booking for this match is just let Wardlow go brazy. <laughs> I, I agree, because I feel like a lot of people have said that Wardlow's time as TNT champion hasn't been the best. I can agree somewhat I think to no, that. I think, I think I, to, be, to be honest, I think that's kind of fair. It, yeah. Because the, the run-up to the TNT title win... Was incredible. Was, was, it was incredible. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with him keeping it. This could be a good launching point for some new stuff. I agree. I will still maintain that Wardlow is AEW's Mike Awesome and they should do absolutely everything they possibly get, can to make Wardlow as iconic as Mike Awesome, minus the that seventies guy. <laughs> did you see that did you see that tweet where it was like Wardlow is Jeff Hardy in Batista's body? <laughs> Actually you know what, that's the best description for Wardlow. <laughs> that's a good shout. <laughs> Nah, I think it would it would do Wardlow the world of good if he retains this one. Yeah. Get get let Hobbs get some power spots in. Absolutely. Let, let, let all Joe, of them. Let Joe do his thing because, as we all know, Samoa Joe thrives in a freeway match. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say Wardlow, but everyone gets really good spots in this because there's it's yeah. three absolute hosses as well. So. Oh, I'm just I'm I'm already picturing it now. Wardlow go Wardlow like tries to do like a moonsault or anything, and then Samoa Joe does the walking away spot. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I will accept no other spot than just than that. I want that spot, and I'll be happy. <laughs> Five star classic. Well, followed by Powerhouse Hobbs just absolutely like trucking through Samoa Joe. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> 
So are we all in agreement about Wardlow or? Yeah. I'm going Hobbs. You know, nice. I wouldn't. I you know, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't shout. be it's upset. I would not be upset if Hobbs wins. My logic is is that I think a triple threat is a good excuse to get Wardlow to not hold the belt because they book Wardlow ridiculously strong. Yeah. Yeah. See, so then like, you get like you let Hobbs get the pin on Joe. Yeah. So that's kind of where my logic is because I feel like I think they're interested in pushing Hobbs up the card, especially with like the breakup of Team Taz. Mm. I yeah. think you probably don't want to pin Wardlow because they've put in so much time with him and made him this established, almost near unbeatable monster to a point where if you wanted, you can put him up the card as well. Would you dare Not say, even... I was going to say, would you dare say put in the scenario, would you put Joe versus Wardlow at final battle then if that was going to be the case? That would be kind of based, I can't lie. I mean, yeah, if possible. Like if you want to reestablish ring of honor i think having a big match like that where you have such a protected talent like wardlow i wouldn't say no to that (laughs) i wouldn't say no to that (laughs) yeah and you have like samoa joe as this ring of honor veteran like i think it could work quite well there's there's space there there's space there yeah yeah okay next match it is the World Trios Championship match as Death Triangle, Pac, Penta, El Zero Miedo, and Ray Phoenix go up against the Elite, the team of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Well, I have a fe- I have a feeling that Death Triangle are just getting fed to the Elite. I yeah, I have, but that's the, my the, fear. The, the Elite, the Elite got a social media um, video package. It's done. <laughs> My my betting is the yeah. the elite will c- come out to carry on my wayward son. Yeah, yeah. I, they've, I, they've gone to the effort to get music rights. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's gonna be a feeding, but I do think that Death Triangle. No, fe- are, are feeding, losing. feeding, feeding, as in the elite are picking up those belts. Yeah. Do you yeah. think the crowd? How how do you think the crowd are gonna react? To, to, See, to, to them. I think I think I think it's gonna. The thing is, right? Is the feeling's gonna be about them returning? Yeah. Mm. And then they're gonna win, and I think it's gonna divide the audience like flat in half. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I I agree with that one. It's there are gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be audibly upset. I would imagine if the elite win oh, this absolutely. one clean, like absolutely. cleanly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I. As someone who is really, really into Death Triangle, as you guys well know, <laughs> I, I am, I right now on paper, I'm okay with them losing. On paper, mm. I cannot emphasize that enough. <laughs> I will still be mad about it. <laughs> mm. I actually think Death Triangle wins, and Ooh. let me explain why. Okay, because they've spent what a good what month and a bit just from my perspective at least telling this story of like the elite kind of being lost to time and all those like video packages right mm. like i feel like if they win the titles it kind of erases all of that mm. because i feel like i feel like the direction they could be going is that AEW doesn't need the elite mm. because oh. The, 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 yeah. the, Pat, the Pat Kenny Omega return match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like it could be a rerun of this, but with greater context. Because now, because AEW's not afraid to go with 
stuff that's happened behind the scenes. I'm, you know, we've all seen that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's really my place to comment on the situation. Like, I wasn't there. <laughs> I mean, rumors you can take with just a grain of salt with literally anything. Like, but I feel like if they are going to lean in that direction, at least from, like, a fan perspective, I feel it would be interesting and would kind of make sense if Death Triangle picks up the win and you have the Elite almost question themselves in kind of a... I want to say, like, career-life crisis. I was going to say mid-life crisis, but they're, they're doing great for themselves. It's, it's the inspired choice if they do that, because I feel yeah. that I think a lot of people would be more willing to accept a storyline like that, considering all that happened at All Out. But I do have a fear that Tony Khan will just pull the trigger and not, and not risk doing a storyline like that. There's a feeling in the back of my head. Yeah, I yeah. I can see that. I feel like it's the jadedness you just get from wrestling. <laughs> that that's for true. That's for true. <laughs> it would be interesting. It'd be compelling. I think a lot of people would actually be a lot more invested to watching Dynamite each week if they threw that um if they threw that spanner in the works for the Elite. I think a lot of people well, would care more for the Elite for that matter if they did that. Well, I think it's also interesting if they do go that direction because then it it kind of goes full circle with the full elite faction as a whole, because then you get the parallel with hangman page. Exactly. Exactly. And then if you want to reunite them, you kind of have an option there because then you can, I don't know from a writing perspective. Mm. I, I can't really say writing perspective from wrestling because I'm <laughs> a show, but like hangman page had this entire lack of confidence, arc, which resulted in him, you know, leading up to the world title. Mm. And, like, he would be one of the very few people on that roster who would kind of understand that from a character perspective. Mm, kind of, yeah. like, feeling down now and being, like, you're not really belonging here? I don't know if that's really the direction they would go with it, but something like that. True. True. Um, Yeah, this is going to be a weird... This is going to be an interesting one to watch. I yeah, think if absolutely. there's anything that's going to come out, it's going to be bloody interesting. <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> um, oh, next match. So happy to say this. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Sting and Darby Allen. <laughs> All right, let me just let me just say my piece on this match. Right, I'm conflicted. Okay. Right, okay, because okay. obviously I want Jeff Jarrett to win because he's <laughs> the center of the wrestling universe. Yes. Right. So we can't have Jarrett losing, but I can't let Jay Lethal win. <laughs> this is fair. This is fair. This is the conundrum I have entered. So yep. here's here's my only way out of it. Uh, my way out of it is that uh, Jeff Jarrett hits Darby Allen with a guitar um, and then Sting defects, and then we form the TNA front line again. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 you're playing with fire, Dad. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I just wanted to see your reaction. Listen, look, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm nipping this in the bud here, okay? Look, we all want Jeff Jarrett to win, but let's face it, we need Sting and Darby Allen to win so things just don't go completely topsy-turvy. All right, yeah, this is, this is my thing, right? Sting and Darby Allen will probably get the win, and in, by all means, probably should Jay Lethal eats the pin, I'm happy. 
Yeah. I yeah, agree. That, can we yeah, can we possibly right. get the Jeff Jarrett Sting guitar spot from Bound of Glo- Bound for Glory 06 again? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Sixty odd year old Sting still got it. Still no selling a guitar shot. Because remember, Jeff Jarrett broke six thousand guitars. Never drew a dime. It okay. it's the way it look right. History is bound to repeat itself eventually. <laughs> it's true. Especially with the centre of the rest of the universe. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd like to see Stinger Derby win it. But if we get a TNA throwback, I, I am so happy if we get so many callbacks to TNA. So many. So happy if we get so many callbacks. <laughs> am I the only one who thinks that? <laughs> no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> what about you, Connor? Who have you got for this one? I, I feel like i got to go with uh, Derby and his dad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I it, it's weird to me because I feel like, at least for Darby, and I feel like he's kind of been in limbo for a while. <laughs> he's where... just kind of been doing his thing. <laughs> yeah, and like there's nothing wrong with that. It's just it feels odd considering where all the other, you know, quote unquote, AEW pillars are. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, like. MJF is vying for the world title. Guevara's going for the ROH title. Uh, Jack Perry's in almost like a blood feud with Christian and Luchasaurus. Darby, Darby's kind of in this holding pattern. I think waiting for something major to happen. I don't know what that is. Tony Hawk getting signed to AEW. I I don't know. It could be. (laughs) We don't know. AEW skateboard. There you go, Darby. A new Darby Allen deck. There you go, made by Birdhouse. Got it. Said it, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, f- I feel like I have to go with Darby and his dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be a TNA tribute match if there ever has been one. At least yeah. we're not getting Ric Flair's seventeenth retirement match. Um. Don't need that. <laughs> it's a singles match for the AEW TBS Championship as TBS champion Jade Cargill goes up against TBS champion Nyla Rose. <laughs> um, oh, God. The storyline's been very weird for this one as it feels like it, it's... There's two next two matches we've got coming up. It feels like the storylines may, may have dragged on a little bit too long. And so there's a bit of fatigue in the storylines. Um... I think Jade's going away with the win for this one, although I will say that Nyla will put up a hell of a fight for this one, if you ask me. I mean, basically, the only thing I'm thinking about with this is just how how do we get Jade Cargill, like, further up? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. that's, That's all that matters. How do we get Jade Cargill into, like, that upper echelon? Goldberg winning streak. Got it. I don't know who wins. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I know. Something in my gut says Nyla Rose, but I don't know, man. <laughs> That's, I, I'm just going to go with my gut and say Rose picks up the win for reasons unclear. <laughs> fair enough. That is That is fair. That is fair. Connor, who have you got for this one? I mean, I'm going Jade. Like, I feel like the only way I can see Jade losing the title right now is if you have someone who you build up to a significant degree. Mm. But I feel like you need a lot longer time to kind of do that. Yeah. And, like, 
Nyla, I think Nyla is actually pretty underrated in AEW. I think she's been like an incredible asset to the company. Yeah. Just like I understand that people may not like how she's booked at points. Mm hmm. Because it felt mm. like for a while that she was kind of always the first feud after the women's title. Mm. But I think I think there's a reason for that, because she's such an impending force that it works quite well. Yeah. Mm. And to be honest, like, I'd quite like to see her, if she hasn't already, like, have more of a face role in the company. Like, I think, mm. like, just going off her, like, social media presence, I think she comes <laughs> off very likable. Yeah. Mm. And, like, she already has, like, little bits, even, like, backstage segments where, like, you could see a bit of that humor coming out. Mm. It's like, I, I I, just want to see more of it, like, play with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it might be a transition, like, getting used to seeing her as a face, but I think it would be really interesting and it will give her a new, fresh direction. I agree. I agree on that one. Face Nyla Rose. Make it happen, Tony. Yeah. yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, next match we've got come up. It's a steel cage grudge match. It's Luchasaurus versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Oh my god, these guys are still feuding? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are destined Christian... to do this forever. Christian has probably cut about seven promos about how he wants to have sex with Jungle Boy's mum at this point. <laughs> I mean, like, I can't lie. He finds a new way, he finds a new angle into it every single time. I, I tell you, man, the storyline of a jaded Luke Perry fan, it's uh, it, 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 it's a one that will stand the test of time, that's for <laughs> damn sure. It is, in fact, a thing. Honestly, it I is. feel like with this one, Christian must be in his element, like, just being able to oh, say, yeah. I'm facing off against Luke Perry's son, and I'm just making all of these little things, and I'm still the biggest fanboy of his dad, rest in peace. <laughs> If you needed to make it more obvious that you were a fan of Beverly Hills 90210, <laughs> it's, it's this feud. Um, I feel, as I said, this is the grudge match. I want to say I want to have a feel-good ending to it. I do want to see Jungle Boy kind of, kind of finally thwart Luchasaurus and, and kind of... Yeah. I guess if this is going to lead up to Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy, maybe this is like the the moment where the the, the chink in the armor starts to fall on Christian's yeah. kind of confidence about this whole storyline. I think it's now's a good time. If you're going to do it in the cage match, I think yeah, that that's my reasoning to thinking. I'd like to see Jungle Boy win this one. Fair, that's fair. Um, I'm gonna be a bit of a dick and say, uh, and say, um, Luchasaurus because I want more asshole Christian to continue for as long as possible. <laughs> See, but then what it could be, right? Hear me out on this. Uh, he beat so Jungle Boy beats Luchasaurus, <clears throat> and then he's like, and now I want Christian, which gives us like another like two to three weeks of this. Hopefully, too. Mm. At, least up, at least up to the next major event. <laughs> yeah, real tough, real tough, real tough. It is tough. This one is a tough one to, to call because, like, do you want to have I'm, it carry I'm gonna, on? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna be the dick. I'm gonna say Luchasaurus. I'm gonna say Luchasaurus. <laughs> dang, Reason. Dang. Who have you got, Dan? Jungle Boy. <laughs> Cutter. Uh, I'm I'm going with Jungle Boy, but I just I want to take a second to just 
Re- really appreciate Christian Cage, you know? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. For, for, for me, he single-handedly made Turtlenecks evil. <laughs> that, oh, no. That is, that is an achievement in it of itself. Maybe is that is that what is that is that why I'm going going for Luchasaurus because I love turtlenecks. No, is that why? <laughs> it's, like, it's such a subtle presentation change, you know, with like the jacket, the turtleneck. Oh, where it's like you you just see him like the way he talks about this whole thing with Jungle Boy. He Basically, he's off. got he's got the Hank Scorpio fit, is what the Christian Cage has got. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but it's also like I I will be completely honest with you here. So you know. I think we all grew up as fans of Edge and Christian. Right? Yep. Uh, yes. You know, me growing up re- wrestling with my little brother, not little brother, older brother. We we were, of course, fans of Edge and Christian, but, you know, sibling stuff. He'd pick Edge. I'd pick Christian. I've I've kind of always, like, preferred Christian to Edge just because of those, like, little things. Mm. That, like, even, see, like, his... this is how I knew, this is how we know that you're based. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was like his, his 2012 run, like when he was just the yep. whiny heel. Yeah. Yep. It was like, why can't I have this title match? It's like, oh no, you're going to have a match with so-and-so. Is it for the title? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's little things like that. Where he's, just, he's so good at playing this like smarmy, despicable bad guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, his best friend is fucking Edge. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, but like, I don't think like that guy has a monopoly on it. I bet, I bet Christian's been like, oh, I've been wanting to do this for so long, for yeah, so I, long. Yeah, now. but I feel like the difference between Edge and Christian when they're heels is that Edge is kind of this more violent, sadistic heel. You know, aside from maybe the Judgment Day run. Mm. But then Christian's always kind of like leaned more towards kind of the cowardly, kind of outsmarting type of heel. I've always thought about yeah. it as like Edge is like. <clears throat> I'm going to make your life hell. Whereas Christian is just like, I am about to become the biggest prick you have ever met yeah. in your life. Yes. <laughs> now watch I mean, me hide behind Travis Tomko and AJ Styles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, when MJF went on his hiatus, like, Christian Cage was killing it with promos each yeah. and every single week. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's hard to deny, like, I'm so happy that he oh no i'm so ha- i'm so happy we had this resurgence run. with him and like he's been able to come back he's been healthy because like it's, it's oh, them stem cells I'm... man them stem cells <laughs> i'm telling you mm. <laughs> oh, it's 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 honest to goodness i i like with everyone and like yourself connor it's just so nice to see christian cage doing his thing so so nice to see christian doing his thing Oh, alrighty. Next match. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Soraya. Wow. I never thought in, in, I never thought in a million years we'd see Soraya back in a ring. But yet here we are. And he's making her return back. The only prediction I want for this one is I, for God's sake, I hope she's okay and gets through this yeah, match okay. Yeah. Yeah, the one person I want to win is health and safety. <laughs> My winner of this match is the A is the AEW medical team. <laughs> the winner of this match, a high vis jacket. God, I I'll be honest, I don't really even know who I want to win this. 
I really haven't come to a decision. Are we? Are we? Are we still on the? Has 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 old DMD the notorious DMD finally like? Are we okay with her now? Can we let us win now? Is that what we're thinking, Dan? I think so. Mm. Okay. To a certain. I mean, degree. I mean, the thing is, though, is that mm. we haven't like we haven't been like for what the first time what feels like a, a good while that the top of the AEW women's card hasn't been dominated but just by Britt Baker <laughs> and Bright Lights. Like, there's at least something different happening. It's it's refreshing to see, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's very refreshing to see. Um, no, I, I with this one, I feel like the only prediction I can give is that I just hope Soraya comes out of this okay and healthy. Um, I'm not fussed in who wins this one, but if I had to choose, if push came to shove, I think the feel-good story coming out of this, I feel, is maybe Soraya gets the win. Yeah. I feel like... Or, you know, it could be... Um, just swerve, uh, swerve people into a in, into a massive heat into making Britt Baker a massive heat magnet by making uh, by picking up the win. I mean, I have both a feeling are, that, both I have are a valid. Feeling that's the case. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna do like the obviously Soraya comes back, but she's not like fully ready. You know, we say <clears throat> not a fave fully ready. Um. And then, you know, Britt's going to pick up the win and then they'll probably run like a program where Soraya wins in the end or something. Mm. Uh, who have you got, Reardon? Is it still kind of like on the fence as to who? Uh, on the fence. I think I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... I'm going to go Soraya because... Because feel good. I I think that makes sense. Mm. I just... I'd like, you know, oh, we think that she's... We think that she's... in. We think that she's injured. Ha-ha! Just kidding. She's not injured. She's perfectly fine. All is well. All is well. <laughs> Hopefully that's how it goes down. We shall see. We shall see. Who have you got, Connor? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Soraya. I, I'm, I'm like, I think, a lot of people who are just very torn on where this is going. Mm. I think my reason for this kind of leans into the women's title match, which we'll get to later yeah but i feel like they're gonna lean more towards the kind of the feel good moment because it's been so long since soraya's had a match yeah and i think for a lot of people they consider her kind of one of the forefront of kind of women's wrestling kind of changing Mm. at least Mm. in the kind of like western perspective yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah Good choices there. Good choices. Okay, we've got the four-way match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Chris Jericho, the champion, defending against Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, and noted boxing commentator with no reaction to the Dubai crowd whatsoever, Sammy Guevara. <sighs> I, 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 don't, I don't give a shit. I need Claudio to win. I need him to win. I need it. I need it. I would love I want it. I don't give a shit. You know what? I'm I'm in fully agreement with you, but my there is the 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 logical side of me that's going. Look, with the TV with Final Battle coming up, the TV deal coming up. I don't understand the mindset behind it, but I think Chris Jericho's retaining. <laughs> I can't understand because I've I, for me, correct me if I'm wrong. All three of you on this one, if you were gonna have a TV deal, I would have thought you have an established name in Claudio Castagnoli. 
very well known, spent 11 years in the WWE, is a known face of the company. If you wanted to get a TV deal, I would have made him front and centre the champion and kept him as the champion. <laughs> or is that just me? Or is it because it's just, it's Chris Jericho? The man who I mean, was on like, The Masked Singer, thing. and you better not tell his you better not tell him where his wife was on January the sixth. <laughs> um, listen, my listen. my whole my whole thing with it, right, is I get they they probably want to do a thing where they're like, okay, we'll just get it, we'll, we have it on Claudio, we'll give it to someone to like build up some hype ahead of like Final Battle, right? Mm. But like, look, let's be real. What's more hype than ROH World Champion Brian Danielson returning for Final Battle? Only if they got the clearance to use the Final Countdown at Final Battle will I fully I mean, they've, they've, that. they've got the money to pay for Carry On My Wayward Son. I know that bloody Europe want like £100,000 a pop for it, but just one event. You need to do it, Tony. Like, just surely, surely is... is is ROH champion Brian Danielson for Final Battle not the hype shit? You know what I want to see out of this? Hear me out. I would pop huge if there was uh, not so much of an interference, but an emergence, a person appearing out of the entrance ramp. None other than Nigel McGuinness. That, that, would be, that would be that would be unreal. That would I, I be think, unfathomable. I think you would. I think we'd need to find a new podcasting partner because you'd die from pure joy. <laughs> straight up, straight up. That's great and all, but uh, you speaking about glowing white and ascends into the heavens. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That is he. Reach, he finally reaches Nirvana. But let me tell you <laughs> something. Let me tell you something, Sam. Mm. I know you. We were speaking logically and like and like TV deals and what best for company and you know all of that. I want you to really hear me when I say this. Fuck logic. Give Claudio the win. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't care. I don't care. I, mean, I want him to win. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's it's not my prediction, but I I would love to see the chaos. That would ensue if Sammy Guevara won the ROH title. I think I might die. I, my head I, would explode, honestly. I, I, I feel I, I would love to see just God, the imagine, chaos. Of could it you all. imagine the furor that would ensue if Sammy ah. Guevara won the Ring of Honor World Championship? Lord. I don't. I, look, Connor, you're playing. Again, you're, you're now playing with fire with this. <laughs> I, I, I know I am. I mean, I I know I'm I'm probably one of the people who in the minority who still enjoy Sammy Guevara. <laughs> I think I oh man, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm in the minority now. It feels weird to be in that side, but I like <laughs> I think if we ignore the outside like reports mm. and talks and all that stuff, I think he's He's a very solid wrestler. I think with all this stuff, he's kind of a natural heel at this point. Mm. So, yeah, I, for me, I feel like there's still a lot of entertainment value out of Sammy Guevara, even if we just go with his match with Danielson True. a couple weeks ago, like the two out of three falls match. Mm. I think 
it wouldn't have been as exciting if people did not hate Sammy as much as they do. <laughs> but, uh, like, from my perspective, I still see him as, like, an incredibly solid wrestler. I think he's a freakish athlete in <laughs> an entire roster of freakish athletes. Hmm. Mm. It'd be, you, you inter- make, it'll be interesting make, to see. You make very good yeah. points. Fuck you, Claudio. Yeah. Get <laughs> I was gonna say, make a great, yeah. make a great point. How consider the following though, Claudio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really its entire argument uh, in a nutshell. Consider the following, Claudio. Though, yeah. If I'm being honest, I feel like my head says Jericho gets the win, but my heart says Danielson because I feel like with Ring of Honor as like a brand. Mm. It's established mm. on being like, you know, for the longest time for a lot of fans, like wrestling's wrestling. Yeah. Like the just from like the technical aspect to it, the pure rule stipulations. Having a guy like Danielson who has been proven, you know, in other companies to be a top star leading that brand. Mm. I could kind of see that happening because it also kind of looks like they're kind of teasing him leaving the BCC. I get what you're saying there, but with Danielson winning, I have to paraphrase Spinal Tap with how much more Ring of Honor could this be? (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, but I feel like there's something kind of poetic about... Because, you know, what was it like? Was it like a year ago where there was the speculation around this potentially being Danielson's last contract? Yeah. I think there's, there's something very poetic about him winning the Ring of Honor title, then closing out his career in the company that he built to an extent. I, I guess, Especially yeah. with the first title design as well, now back and being the world championship. Yeah. Because yeah. then he makes Connor makes a very interesting point. You can't admit you can't I, you can't fault that reason. I I I hate that you're making sense, okay. <laughs> uh, but... I mean my my head still says Jericho because he is you know, by a lot of metrics, kind of the mainstream draw of yeah. the four. But my my heart says Danielson. <laughs> yeah, I, again, it's such an it's an it's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most on the main card that match, for for sure on that one because it's uh, free studs and Chris Jericho there <laughs> in the match. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's yeah, the tag team working, working with Joseph got you feeling some kind of way, huh? Oh, don't tell me about that. <laughs> anyway, it's the tag team championship match. It's the champions the acclaimed with Daddy Ass taking on Swerve in our glory. These two tag teams work tremendously well together. If you ask me, their match at uh, Grand Slam was awesome. The subsequent match where the acclaimed one was incredible. If you ask me, these guys have had really good tag matches and great chemistry together. I don't think it's the acclaimed time to give up the tag championships just yet. No. I'm just, I'm just saying it out now. I think it's the acclaimed. We'll probably get a post-match angle with um, Swerve in our glory. You think? I don't know. No, not like a, not like a breakup angle, but you know, like there would be like a moment with them. Rick Ross will come out and say accusations one more time. <laughs> oh. Honestly, if this means that we get, you know, for the next for the next now tag team for the next few months, we get the tag teams of the acclaimed and FTR going at it for the titles. I'm yeah. all on board for that. Two of the most over tag teams in AEW. Come on, that writes itself. That that'll sell tickets, no doubt. 
I've got the acclaimed. <laughs> yeah. Reardon, the acclaimed? No. Really? No, I think I think Swerve and Our Glory might do it. They might do it. They like they got the heat. They got enough. Mm. They got enough. And 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 the future of like everyone trying to trying to beat up Keith Lee and failing. I can <laughs> see it. I really can. Like even like even putting like my love for for this team aside, I think I think there's an angle there. I really do. Mm. I really really do. You make a compelling argument. You know what I mean? You make a compelling like, argument. This is a tough. This is a very tough one because, <laughs> like, honestly, this is a very tough one. I I feel I'm going, but I do think I'm going gonna go a bit dark horse with this one. Swerving our glory. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Connor, who have you got for this one? I'm absolutely going the acclaimed. I don't <laughs> think they should drop the belts anytime soon. They're probably the most over they've ever been the past couple months, mm. especially with like Billy Gunn by their side. Which, by the way, what an unexpected pairing in the year <laughs> yes. of 2022. In, in a year of like so much news stories, <laughs> would have anyone ever guessed that one of the most over things would be Billy Gunn and the acclaimed together? At 59 if, years if, old, if you, Billy if Gunn. You told, if you had told me when we started this show that eventually at some point we'll be talking about um, Billy Gunn and a tag being the manager for a tag team in AEW and getting the phrase scissor me daddy ass over. Yeah. Like, I would be, I would look at you like you're a madman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is, in the world of wrestling, the 2022 equivalent of suck it. Yeah. It's get it's gotten ridiculously over. Like to a point where there's they've become one of the most over tag teams in wrestling. And that is a very difficult thing to say, like in twenty twenty two when you've got the Usos, you've got New yeah. Dave, who I know they've kind of been on and off just because mm. of the big E injury. You've got heck Young Bucks. FTR. FTR. Yeah. So many like well established tag teams. Even if we're going outside of the major Western companies, Aussie Open, yeah, uh, Gorillas of Destiny, so many like super talented tag teams, and like the acclaimed, like they've gotten over so much because of how great their characters have been over the past few months. And Vince said tag team wrestling was dead. Yeah, but that man was also like borderline chronically senile at that point. <laughs> mm. Borderline. He was. He, he was. He was borderline chronically <laughs> not just borderline general <laughs> but uh, no. this is something i'm saying like we we, we we can't use that comparison <laughs> if this leads to an acclaimed ftr um oh, feud yeah. for the titles i think that's going to probably be up there as one of AEW's best storylines you've got two incredibly over tag teams and i think the fan reception to that is going to be off 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 the charts so I feel I like, sh don't strike while the iron's hot, keep the acclaim of the titles, build it up within the next few months, and I think, by revolution, if that's the first chapter in that feud, I think everyone's going to eat it up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really yeah. hope they do, because it seems to be, at least within the past few months that they've been tag champions, they really trust them with a lot of character-based segments. Mm. And I feel like, with the tag division... Aside from maybe the Young Bucks, there haven't really been many instances where a lot of characters have been able to really shine within yeah. the division. The only other example I can think of is maybe Best Friends. Because mm. mm. they well, had it, the it, whole thing with Santana and Ortiz and like Sue 
his mum Sue. Yeah, it's the thing I quite like about um, the way AEW treats like at least the upper end of their tag division, where like each member has their own individual character. Because mm. mm. like as much as they do all the stuff, like Bowens and Caster are still quite different. Mm. And they still let that kind of show a bit. It's a little thing I appreciate as well. It's a little thing that I that I do appreciate AEW to give their time to doing is establish these two, like the two, the people in the tag team as being different people rather than kind of joined at the hip and kind of twins, basically, in a sense. Kind of like what WWE have done for the, the longest time when it comes to tag teams, in a sense. But uh, no, it's going to be a great match, if you ask me, that one, no doubt. Yeah. Okay, it's the interim AEW Women's World Championship as champion Tony Storm goes up against Jamie Hater. I guess we all again and unanimously agree. Jamie Hater, Jamie Hater. needs to win this oh. one. <laughs> oh, yeah. give yeah, it, give does. it to the UK, Tony. <laughs> Come on, we need a lot of things right now. Come <laughs> on, the end of the season. <laughs> now this, it. it's it's gotta be like do do your do your first big like bottom to top women's story get jamie hater in she'll absolutely run that division clean if this is a storyline that leads to a like a dissension in the ranks between uh brit and jamie i welcome that with open arms it gives jamie and brit both something to do and also i think it gives a lot of credit to jamie given going up against an established name in brit within the company and the skin will probably lead to a thunder rosa jamie hater match it writes itself it right this really does write itself you give it to jamie give it to jamie tony Connor, I'm guessing you're in agreement as well or who's oh, Tony absolutely Stone? going Jamie Hayter. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt anything because you kind of just said my point about what I think it would lead to is like a feud with Baker. You got the feud with Rosa down the line when she eventually returns. Like there's so much you can do with Jamie Hayter there. I think she's been killing it the past couple months, especially like <sighs> mm. like since all out when she got a hell of a reception. Yeah. Like I feel like it it makes sense for her either her or Death Triangle, because Pac's in there, one of them to hold the title heading into, like, the AEW show in the UK. Yeah. Because I feel like AEW does love to have those, like, wrestlers who are in their hometown to just come out and have, like, a big match there. <laughs> yeah. And also, I just want to hear it so I can hear Jamie Hayter's theme music more often. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, just hearing the little story that it was inspired off of Prince Devitt's old New Japan theme, it sold me immediately. Yeah, no, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Mikey Ruckus knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> All right, then. This leads us to the main event. It's for the AEW World Championship. John Moxley defends his title against the Casino Ladder champion, uh, Casino Ladder winner at All Out. He's cashing in his chip. MJF. The build-up for this one has been not as good as it could have been, honestly. A lot of factors, I feel, come into that. Um, well, what happened at All Out, I think, plays a lot into this. Um, the kind of rush to have kind of call an audible between all of this, I feel, was also kind of dampened this. Mox 
I'm, I'm just going to say out right now, I think Mox is up there for me this year again as one of the best wrestlers of the year. He has been phenomenal this year. Yeah. Um, MJF has been a very up and down. We had because the onshore moment of what happened between you know him and Tony that had him leave for a little bit with the uh, with the culmination of the Wardlow feud, and then of course we had the CM Punk feud before that, which was great, and then of course him coming back and returning. He's been absolutely tremendous. Uh, I think, I mean, if there was any other, if there was any doubt that he wasn't good at promos, I think he's more than proved to a lot of people that he's exceptional on the mic. As an all-around performer, I think he's one of the best of this current generation, without question. Um, what he does, he does really well, and he doesn't have to be, you know, he doesn't have to do big moves to show that he's actually a really good wrestler. He, he he's, he's the quintessential American wrestler, MJF. I feel like, and it's very rare to come by those, uh, like a dime a dozen in today's world of professional wrestling. It's going to be a really interesting match. No doubt. As I said, the build-up hasn't been great, but I still think people are very interested in how this match will turn out. I've got MJF winning this. Yeah, I think it's. I think. Yeah, I think it's a reign of terror. I think it's a, a good <laughs> reign of terror. A good reign of terror. Let me just make that clear. <laughs> yeah, uh, MJF absolutely. Now, do you it. think there's going to be shenanigans involved? I actually think he'd be better if there isn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I, I feel mean, like, like you could, you could, you, like yeah, you could have like shenanigans with like the firm or whatever or whatever. I won't. I, and by the way, I won't have anyone keep now bad mouthing the firm because that the group is a really good, solid group. They just haven't been given anything good to work with, and that's a shame because right. Stokely Hathaway's based. Whatever, 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 whatever that stuff is, right? <laughs> you could, you could have shenanigans with it, but I think it's just better you just let MJF win. Just have just have it be like Mox tried to do something that like, just tried to do too much, mm. because we all know Moxley would actually do that. <laughs> mm. Do you think I, I I guess you could say in that sense? Would you like to see this play out like Bret Hart Piper at WrestleMania in a sense? Kind of, yeah. I'd like to see it kind of like that. I mean, just like just like have Moxley just like literally like overextend himself. Because mm. the one thing there's just a point because it's like um. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. You know the um, Higuchi Sakaguchi match from yes. DDT? Mm-hmm. It's a it's fantastic match. Where, where it's literally just like Sakaguchi being like, well, shit, I can't beat him. Mm. Like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, if anyone's not seen that match, yeah, Higuchi Sakaguchi match. is incredible. That was an incredible really? match. <laughs> um, I The other thing I don't want to see is a William Regal heel turn. No. I don't. No. I, I don't it's think not, it's not needed. MJF's fine on his own. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. 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 The Blackpool Combat Club don't need William Regal, but like also MJF doesn't. MJF can stand fine on his own. Exactly. So what's the point of what is William Regal just going to start being on his own? Find someone else. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. See, I'm I'm kind of on the fence about that because I there's part of me that would actually really like to see William turn, and there's a part of me that just think it's better off that he just stays where he is. Mm. Like, 
I feel like there's there's just something about William Regal. I always go back to his promo he has with Triple H, you know, with the whole stuff. Yes. YouTube, where he talks about there are just some people who are just born naughty. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like there is something in there where, you know, this whole story has been you know, Moxley's done a great job of it, but the emotional crutch of it has been MJF and William Regal. Just sort of the MJF backstory that he's kind of elaborated on and how MJF has kind of... Like, he's talked about how... Like, he isn't bad because he generally wants to be bad. He's bad because he feels like he has to. Mm. And there's, like... There's a part of me that actually... This sounds ridiculous. And I know it sounds ridiculous. But I would love to see a double turn. Though I don't think they should do it. Hmm. I mean, that would be interesting to because see. Then, because then you're putting MJF in a position where he's kind of forced to be a good guy. Like, you can have this parallel back to the all-out match where MJF tried to cheat with the Dynamite Diamond. Mm. But then he stops and then puts it out the way. Mm. Only for, like, William Regal to grab it instead and just deck him in the face. Like, <laughs> ref shenanigans. I don't know. I don't think that would happen. I think... Like, you've got a great thing with MJF being this dominant heel champion on the horizon. He's the only member of that kind of group of guys who started from the beginning who hasn't really held a title yet. Yeah. So, like, I can definitely see MJF still staying a heel, beating Moxley with shenanigans. And I think that's where they're going to go, though I personally wouldn't like it as much, I think. I'm not mm. entirely sure because predictions and executions are always kind of different. Mm. But I'm I'm willing to trust AEW on this because they've done a great job, like kind of calling an audible from what their initial plans were. Mm-hmm. Especially after the hell of the ending angle of All Out, <laughs> them trying to transition everything. Like they've they've had a really difficult task, and I feel like they've done a solid job to kind of get back on track. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. I feel like I just went on a massive. Like, no, 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 no. If anything, if anything, it's probably the most compelling of the arguments here. <laughs> yeah, 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 frankly, it's better than mine. Of just because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. It's. I, I think for sure it's going to be the. It's going to be the, the the match everyone talks about coming out of full gear. That's for darn sure. Um. Yeah. <sighs> I guess the I, I I dare to say it to be over dramatizing it, but it almost feels as if this match is probably going to set the course for the future of AEW from next year onwards. This match, I would match. say so. I, I, would I think that's say. a safe guess, just yeah. because of the way. Because AEW, I think, with its first couple of years, it was really built around the rise of Hangman. Yeah, and then we've kind of had that weird transition when his title reign ended, mm. where it kind of felt like the company was. I want to say, I guess, trying to find its identity in its third year. It felt like it was running on autopilot for a little bit this year. I wouldn't say necessarily running on autopilot. I would say that the landscape of the company changed dramatically from what it was in the beginning. (laughs) So, like, I look at Full Gear, what, 2021 as kind of AEW's first season finale. Yeah. Like, you had the big main character in Hangman Adam Page overcoming the bad guy in Kenny Omega at the time. Mm. 
And season two's kind of been this, I guess, development and trying to figure out who is the next, I don't want to say the next guy, but kind of the next big story to focus around. Yeah. And I think, and I think there was an idea that it would be punk. <laughs> but with everything that's happened, I think it's transitioning back to MJF and kind of their almost kind of going full circle where they start to focus more on their more consistent established talent. Because mm. now we're seeing like Ricky Starks being used more, Ethan Page, uh, uh, Moxley, he, he's low-key been kind of the face of the company. Yeah. Like he's really kind of been slotted in as the guy <laughs> since this whole situation debacles happened. Yeah. Like, I think they're still trying to figure out their transition. Mm. And I think this match could be that turning point. We will wait to see. It's gonna it's a heck of a card. <laughs> it's one heck of a card. Maybe some would say too long. But it will be yes. interesting to see where AEW ends up uh, after all of this and how it will look at the end of 2022. That is the full card of full gear. It's probably one of the longest news segments we have ever had as well. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> remember, we've still got a full episode to go, guys. <laughs> so before we get into that, recommendation corner. Reardon, what have you got for us, sir? Guys, how do you feel about... Tony Hawk, Max Payne, and dystopian fiction. Brilliant. Are you talking about a certain game that's kind of like Rollerball, but isn't Rollerball? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. How they got away with it, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, right? Only James Carr was still with us. I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> but no, I know what game you're talking about. I love that game. Yes, I am talking about Rollerdrome which is a game where you have infinite ammo, you have to do cool tricks to gain ammo, and you can do bullet time. It's great. It, it's so much fun. It's so much fun, but boy, does the difficulty spike go up very quickly if you oh don't know what God. you're doing. <laughs> oh, Lord. It really is like... It really is a... When we said we're, like, we're inspired by Tony Hawk, we fucking meant it. <laughs> Because, jeez, it's, it's so. At least you're not so, doing manuals in between tricks. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Yeah, is the one yeah, thing I'm is, glad of doing. Yeah, no, and uh, yeah, the only the only thing that that um that annoys me is that it's not a two player game. That that does annoy me. A co op or like even going against it. Oh, that would be so much fun. But you can't always get what you want. On. So. <laughs> No, um, I have been trying to, like a good portion of Max Payne players, we have been trying to itch that scratch for years. <laughs> and so we just got to, you just got to take what you need. But in all honesty, it's a very, very good game. Very fun. A so that is my fun. recommendation. A lot of fun, that one. No, great recommendation. I also would like to recommend Joseph Montecilio's GWE evaluation of the Crush Gals. Yes, the Crush Gals video. I was, hi, I worked on the title sequence and a couple of parts of that. <laughs> I'm very happy and proud to see how well that got went with everybody. And uh, I'm kind of overwhelmed by how uh, positive the reaction has been to the title sequence. Not gonna lie. 
not gonna lie it's kind of warmed my heart to see so many people uh kind of get really hyped by the title sequence so thank you so much to everyone that's watched it who's listening anyway with all of that being said it is time to get on to our main portion of the episode gentlemen it is time to talk about retribution (laughs) so 2020 was a bit of a hellscape wasn't it (laughs) it was (laughs) Not, you know, I I think we can chalk that year to not great. <laughs> Although we but it birthed us, so you know, swings and no, roundabouts. What I said? No, I said what I said. <laughs> so let us. So the first reaction or first question I've got to ask all three of you is: um, your thoughts on retribution. <laughs> Do you want me to start? <laughs> yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead. A mistake. <laughs> <laughs> if we're doing this by single words, then I'm I'm, I'm going to go with some single words. Read it in a single word. Retribution. <laughs> oh, God, a single word. Um, I only I have two. Actually, I have two. Just use as many words Go as you on. need. I got the one. I got the one funny single word out of the way. Universally panned. <laughs> yeah, is my thinking of it. Okay, in two hundred and eighty characters or less. Oh wait, no, this ain't Twitter. No, Connor, what were your thoughts on retribution? Missed opportunity. No, I think I think you're entire. <laughs> I think you're entire. Okay. <laughs> Nah, McConnor. No, 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 there was no, 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 no opportunity no, no, there. No, no, no. <laughs> there was nothing no, 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 there. No, no. I'll tell you where the missed opportunity is. It's every single person that was in retribution. Now, <laughs> oh no, that yeah, that I agree with. And now, to I be know fair, I, I know there, I sound there crazy. Is, there, 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 no, no, <laughs> Connor. I see the vision. I see the vision. <laughs> you both can equally be crazy. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, this is coming from the guy who used to fantasy book a lot, so I guess I know what he's talking about when he he says missed opportunity. (laughs) So, let me first establish this. So, you know, we were talking about what episode we would do for this. I wanted to do Retribution for a couple reasons. One of them is so I can talk about Mustafa Ali. Mm. Because in my opinion, I I think, first of all, I think he's wicked. Yes. Another thing is that I think he's He's arguably, in the modern era of WWE, one of the most unluckiest performers in that company. Without also question. So true. If we, if we go through his entire career, we go from the Cruiserweight Classic, he was an alternate, who got put in last minute to be in this tournament. Mm. He gets a couple matches on NXT. It goes reasonably well. Not much of an impression, because only really a couple matches. He gets put onto 205 Live. And 205 Live, for all of its flaws, it demonstrated a lot of new talent. Mm, yeah. And I think Mustafa was one of the big beneficiaries of it. Because yeah. he got to kill it week after week. And he had an interesting kind of babyface gimmick that kind of went against kind of the stereotypes of wrestling at the time. Mm. You know? And then the unlucky part happens because I think he should have won the Cruiserweight title at some point, but yeah. he never yes. did. Absolutely. I, I, I look at that WrestleMania where it was Cedric yeah. versus Mustafa, and I think he should have won that. Yeah. Especially when he came out with his wicked, like, 
I, I like to think Scorpion, not Scorpion, Sub-Zero style gear. Mm -hmm. The light up, like, mask, the light up hand, everything like that. It, it looks so freaking cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that whole, like, tirade of stuff. He then gets brought on to SmackDown where he is one of the few people to get a pinfall victory over Daniel Bryan as WWE champion. Yeah. It looks like he's about to get set up for these amazing things. He unfortunately gets injured, which it sucks. It happens in wrestling. The most simplest things sometimes just lead you having months off on the shelf. Mm. It sucks. Speedy recovery to anyone who's in that situation. But it's like, from that point, it felt like there were just more opportunities. Money in the bank after that, where he's like, He's going for it. Brock Lesnar comes out. <laughs> oh, the story I heard of that. Yeah. As soon as he came out, as just as Ali was about to make his entrance, he gets told that Brock Lesnar's going to win. Yeah, exactly. Like it. Oh, like, that's, I that's feel so. Kill your heart. <laughs> yeah, I feel so bad for him. And then you know the hacker storyline stuff. For you know, you kept getting those teases here and here out. Mm. Almost kind of a weird precursor to the Bray Wyatt return that we've had recently. Yeah. yeah. And then the whole stuff with Retribution, which we'll get into like the whole week-to-week -week stuff of it. Mm. But I do think the gimmick had legs, but it just needed some slight tweaks to it. Mm. I feel the presentation of it with Mustafa in this kind of, I want to say military style gear or something yeah. like that. As he's leading these yeah. groups of, like, <laughs> group of like masked men down, there was something kind of like cool to it. I feel like, like kind of something interesting. I know it isn't what a lot of people think, but I think no, right? <laughs> like the 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 general vision behind <clears throat> retribution, as in like I, you know, Ridden, you know, when you're talking about on paper. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is this is this is an on paper stable <laughs> because um yes, right? We're here and we're retro and we're saying everything was a massive mistake because we have the benefit of hindsight on all of WWE's decisions, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, the thing I have to say with this is, I think the general concept, like the loose concept of wrestlers who are annoyed at wwe like they're an, like a group a stable of wrestlers who are annoyed at the establishment is not a bad idea like in the way that they present it as in like these are people who are gen genuinely aggrieved and not like dx being edgy <laughs> mm. but the problem is how they went about everything <laughs> Yeah. The problem is literally everything up until that point. Yeah. With Mustafa, like, you know, when you put it like that with Mustafa Ali, Jesus, he's like, <laughs> Oswald the lucky rabbit, ain't he? <laughs> like, like, genuinely, every single opportunity he has been afforded has yeah. just been, like, shamefully ripped from him. No, I, I, I feel so bad for him because he's so wicked. He is like, so, so good. Like, in the ring, I feel like his promos are extremely underrated. Like, yeah. you know when he used to have his own sort of, like, personal style yep. promos where he'd, like, shoot it 
kind of like on the street just talking about stuff like it's it framed so... very close on his face as well i really yeah. enjoyed that those promos that he would do on his on his socials they were yeah so different to what everyone was doing it yeah just or even sold or him even... more well than i think the company would have sold him <laughs> I've, I've, always, I've always said that mustafa as, as a as a wrestler like even though you know often his character would have lots of like other stuff in it right about like the the kind of like the cyber stuff and that kind of general aesthetic he always came across to me as a very like real wrestler mm. like he was just he's just a really just a real person yeah <laughs> i i think what stands out about ali to me personally is he's very good at establishing a presentation for himself in all of the stuff that we've talked about like mm. i think reiterating that i think he's one of the most unluckiest wrestlers in wwe is a further thing when you go into his career even post retribution you know the odd couple tag team with mansoor yep. it was the stuff with rk bro happening at the exact same time mm. uh the mustafa ali america promo that he cut where it looked like he was kind of teasing that kind of new gimmick like he's very good at for me personally, he's very good at, with each of these incarnations, having a different presentation to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, for me, has always been a very memorable thing about him. And even now, with his stuff he's doing on Raw at the moment, like, he's kind of giving off this kind of underdog, I'm going to try anything sort of babyface type of thing. Yeah. He's been very good at transitioning his look from each situation mm. i feel like that's that's kind of kept him in really good stead at least for me yes no i i i 100 agree on that for sure um i just wish i like it's just like all of this being said it's just like i've always i've always went to bat for ali and i've always just i just Give him the chance, please. Just give him the chance, because I can guarantee he will knock it out of the park if you give him just a oh, small yeah, no, little like, chance. He'll, ab he'll absolutely mm. do great with anything that he does. It's just a shame that so much of the stuff that he's mm. again, there's there's that there's that weird kind of problem with stuff. Just he's 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 brilliant at coming up with stuff. Yeah, but off the often the stuff he gets given isn't good to work with <laughs> I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say it wasn't good stuff to work with i think it's just more of the company's trust in that idea wasn't fully established yeah like it was because, a very... because it's like yeah I, I always feel like i always feel like he had a vision for stuff but was never able to carry out that vision he had yeah. to carry out a completely different vision yeah, the the Pritchard McMahon kind of fused vision of what he want of what Ali wanted, which has been such the curse for a lot of people in well in and out of the company for the past several years. Um, but Ali especially has been given the rough end of the stick when it comes to that. Is this just a, is just is this secretly just a Mustafa Ali retrospective? It is very much secretly a Mustafa Ali. <laughs> I mean, I, I I I can I can talk about how much I like Mia Yim and Shane Fawn. Exactly. Well, do you I want to do that. Here's the thing. It's what I, we'll get, I was going to say before we get into those guys. Shall I? Shall I, like I, I do with all of these things. Go over the brief history 
of, of retribution by all means okay so it's the 3rd of august 2020 it is a regular episode of monday night raw emanating as always from the wwe performance center yes we are in orwellian times within the wwe <laughs> as we as we established in our first uh speech in wag awards uh at the performance center lights are beginning to flicker on and off and a masked group of vigilantes have set fire to a generator at the top of the performance center oh my goodness vandalism in wwe will the police get involved no no they never do do they <laughs> it's because four days later on the august 7th episode of smackdown members of the attack the announced team and the audience yes vigilantes cloaked in black bandanas and hoodies would end up ga- grabbing a chainsaw and cutting the ring ropes <laughs> yes chainsaw charlie has returned versus Raw 09 yes and as the weeks progressed, the group would begin to explain their actions in muffled, garbled voice clips, referring to perceived unfair treatment as they came up through the WWE system in the Performance Center and their desire to upend that said system. On the 21st of September episode of Monday Night Raw, it was revealed that, that Retribution consisted of the members Dominic Dijakovic, Dio Madden, Shane Fawne, Mercedes Martinez, and Mia Yim. Subsequently going to going under new pseudonyms, the names of T-Bar, Mace, Slapjack, Retaliation, and Reckoning. Okay, so let's just let's just get it out of the way. We've got to talk about these names. <laughs> and I have to I have to reiterate from when we did our 2020 episode. <laughs> Who the fuck? thought slapjack was a good idea <laughs> who saw that name written down and went that's great that's it that, that's the man who got fired right right surely what Kenyon seaman oh yeah that was his name <laughs> i was gonna say that's that that's that that's a <laughs> that I'm, 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 I'm sorry though i'm i just can't because at least with some of the other ones, I can make I can make a case. Reckoning, retaliation. You know what? It's it's a bit odd, but you know those are words I like. <laughs> you know they they fit the wrestling vibe. Mace, good, right? Mm. That's a weapon. Guy's massive, right? Awesome. T bar. <laughs> bit, bit confused on that one, but. Hey, maybe maybe there's some maybe there's some process behind it, right? There's something there's something with it. Slapjack. <laughs> do you know the, do you know the biggest thing about Slapjack for me was for the first few times that we saw them, no one could actually figure out what his name was. <laughs> People thought we were stuck between are they saying Slapjack or are they saying Flapjack? I feel like that's a poor start for a character. And by the way, uh, it was it was great when uh, when it went on Twitter. Everyone found out the um, the the Urban Dictionary definition for slapjack. Oh boy! Yeah. Now I am not going to repeat I, what slapjack means now, on Urban Dictionary. I can, I, I can I can abide by um, big companies not being streetwise to language. Especially when it's something niche like Urban Dictionary, right? Because <laughs> inevitably someone's going to search up and find that someone's put a, a word in there. Like like the infamous thing of the Canadian bus company that called their uh, mascot Bussy. Right? 
<laughs> I can I, I can envision that a, a, a boardroom full of like sixty year olds di- could not fathom the concept that they had unleashed into the world. I mean, let's face it, John Cena has had an entire signature move based off a slang word from Urban Dictionary. Yeah, <laughs> I... it's true. So, with all of that, it's. <laughs> We have to deal with these people, these names that we see in front of us. I- and again, I have to ask, who thought this was a good idea? I see what I think would have been a because for me the issue with this, aside from the names, because hmm. you know the name Slapjack just pops everyone, <laughs> is. It's just the way it was presented. Yes. Like, I feel like they kind of. I feel like they did stuff in reverse. Yeah. Like, I feel like the destruction of the ring stuff was too big mm-hmm. for their, like, debut. Especially oh, yeah. with. Especially because I think the Retribution gimmick as a whole is this gimmick with these wrestlers who believe they're being mistreated by WWE. You know, at the core of it, it's kind of anti-establishment. Anti-establishment gimmicks over wrestling have been proven to kind of work quite well. I mean, look at Stone Cold Steve Austin. His whole feud and story was based about anti-establishment and people just not liking their bosses. Mm. Like, the core of Retribution has a successful formula to it. Oh, yeah. But Mm. the issue with how it was executed i think was just sort of them not really having a clear explanation about why they're named these things yes because as you know wrestling fans the names like t-bar and mace yeah they are they're ridiculous names but it's wrestling we got used to names like neville for the longest time right (laughs) yeah it's just just go just go just go back in just go back in wrestling and even like i said like Oh, I know that obviously as a name, the Ultimate Warrior is not that bad, <laughs> right? It's it's on the nose, but it's not that bad. But like we got used to the guy, the Ultimate Warrior. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we I... got we got used to like weird names pretty quickly. Yeah, the Miz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. Um... Another thing as well that we like, I think, um, to kind of further um, go on for what Connor was saying, as I think the way it all came about as well seemed to be very haphazard in a sense that suddenly we've got um, established NXT uh, wrestlers on the roster in Dijakovic, Dio Madden, Shane Fawn, uh, Mercedes Martinez, and Mia Yim, who one week seemed to have been, you know, on the roster, in NXT, wrestling, seeming to be quite content with where they are. I mean, we had Dijakovic still kind of having a feud with Keith Lee whilst he was still champion, to suddenly now becoming incredibly jaded with the company and now wanting to, like, break it from the inside, as it were. So it seemed like the the intentions of the company, of of the group, seemed to have just come, like... Almost out of nowhere, if you know what I mean. See, but this was the thing. This was the thing I said with it around with the time it was happening because they're like, "Ah, uh, we are aggrieved by the system. <laughs> WWE is holding us back 
um we will strike back against wwe <laughs> and like the big problem is though right we have to think of the context <laughs> <laughs> and obviously we have in universe context we also have out of universe context <laughs> but i here's here's my thing with this i think in universe all the members who are in retribution actually make sense it's just the way that it, it was, was explained that exactly yeah so let's let's go from the beginning of this like all the members that we've got we've got mace mace was a commentator for monday night raw for a period of time you know he's getting opportunities yep. there yeah and then he got written off television when he got beaten up by brock lesnar dio madden definitely should have had a run in nxt on television anyway because oh, yeah. i feel like Ma like dio madden was a really really good talent big guy really good moves had a really good tag team in the nxt live show circuit with um with isaiah swerve scott and his finishing move was the nico nico knee that man also his name was inspired by jojo that man deserved to be on television <laughs> so add adding on to this like there is there's stuff there that you could explain with mace because they explained literally the week after he went back down so mm. that he could pursue wrestling like, it was a on-air explanation of yeah. that. Uh, T-Bar, Dominic Dijakovic, he had, you know, big feuds with Keith Lee and then got absolutely decimated by Karrion Cross in a match mm. in which his best friend, Keith Lee, at the time, you know, had fire blown in his face, got defeated for the NXT Championship. In that period of NXT, it felt like there was kind of a lot of you know, injustice, unshakable hmm. details there. Uh, we go to... Uh, who else was in the group? I don't remember. Slapjack. Shane Fawn. Yeah, Shane Fawn. A very, very rough time, I think, yeah. in some ways. Because... It, it was literally that thing with Shane Fawn where the, literally all the vision that was needed was just to keep TMDK in WWE. Mm. I, that was literally just all you needed to do <laughs> let alone the fact that Shane Fawn's a perfectly accomplished wrestler on his own I, I really but they just kind of like left him there to do nothing sorry as yeah. you were written yeah sorry I just gotta really kind of point something out that I, in in a, a, a very 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 slight defense of them with this <laughs> in that 2020 was weird weird yeah was oh, no, such yeah. a weird like I I can't emphasize it like well I can because <laughs> it wasn't that it wasn't even that like long ago but we all remember just how bizarre a time it was in the oh, world yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we were we were we were all in the bizarro world yeah <laughs> and wrestling but in particular was in such a strange place. Not just what happens in... when a bizarro world collides with another bizarro world. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> wrestling, as we all know, you know, is the the weird and wacky world of professional wrestling. That's an, our entire job on this damn podcast. But even for that, this was like one of the weirdest times. And having them having to navigate that, having to navigate not only having to work without crowds. But work during like a pandemic, even though they really shouldn't. But let's just say, for sake of <laughs> argument, sake of argument. Let's say you have to do it. Let's say like you have to do it. 
Don't worry, you the state to... of Florida said they did. <laughs> oh, 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 well, that's all right then. Yeah. So you have to deal with being a company where you can't work a crowd even though you are crowd-based. But not only that, your staff is getting sick. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting increasingly shorter because of mass cuts. Yeah, you're, 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 yeah, you, you're having to cut back. Well, you're not having to, but you are. You're cutting people. Your staff is getting sick. Your key workers are getting sick. There are people who who go like, yo, if I do this, I, I, and I caught catch it, I might actually die. Like, like, um, like it's a near high guarantee that I will die. You have like some of your top wrestlers who cannot come to work because the world has literally stopped. Mm. It is a bizarre time. So I don't begrudge them for trying to make do with what they had. And I think the thing that annoys me the most about Retribution and this time in WWE in general is that you had a golden opportunity moment to basically put so many people that you don't normally put in in the limelight mm. like properly like you have someone from with like Mustafa Ali who for whatever reasons hasn't been getting the shot that he deserves right but oh what but like there is often this argument I think made with like really hardcore WWE apologists is that okay like they can't you can't make everyone a star there is literally only so many hours in the day there's only so many hours in the program yeah there are gonna be people it's quite reasonable to say there are gonna be some great great wrestlers and great characters who are just left by the wayside just because you simply do not have the time to develop it yeah that is not the yeah. case here. <laughs> you literally had the time. You've, <laughs> you've wiped out half via budget cuts and a literal plague. There is no excuse now. I, I think if there were plans in place for it, I because as you already discussed, Reardon, it was a very like difficult time for the company. Mm. I think if there were plans initially, because they did end up tying in the SmackDown hacker to Mustafa yeah. Ali and then Retribution as a whole, mm. I think with the power of hindsight, I wish they were introduced with Mustafa Ali together. Yes. Yes. As the big reveal, rather than it kind of happening with Mustafa kind of just returning and being a face. Because then you can have him explain why these people are wearing masks. Like, I, this is just me going off the top of my head, but like, they want to treat us with injustice. We'll just embrace the names that they would supposedly give us in that yeah. kind of context. Mm. Because, like, the idea of retribution, from my perspective, is one that is, from a fan perspective, is a universally almost kind of agreed on thing if you were a fan of like NXT call ups. Yes. Or like, yeah. coming up. Yes. Like, the idea that certain individuals, when they get up, and it's not due to the fault of the wrestlers, it's not entirely due to the fault of creative as a whole, some things don't quite click. I think playing off that idea, I think, would be pretty interesting. Mm. Like, Okay, I, I, the, now here's the problem with that. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, WWE 
uh, we'll say in its latter periods being run under Vince, uh, had an almost negative amount of self-awareness. Oh, my God. <laughs> and unfortunately, having a degree of self-awareness is kind of key to this gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you need to be willing to accept that you fa- that you make failures sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I can agree with that. I can definitely agree with that type of perspective with it. But my counter-argument towards that is that WWE in that 2020 period was in a very er- experimental time. You had the performance center shows, which love them or hate them, they're a way to keep the shows going. You had a lot of cinematic matches going on at the time. No one mentioned had... one final beat. <laughs> yeah, you had, <laughs> you had the whole thing with the Thunderdome. Yep. Like there was a lot of experimental stuff happening at the time with WWE because they had to learn to adapt. Retribution to me, when looking at everything in hindsight, was a very experimental group. But they just didn't really go far enough with certain ideas of it. This 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 is the thing. All the execution they were... didn't stick the landing. Yeah. Like Really didn't stick they, the they, landing. They, 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 there, there were some brilliant ideas at the core. I mentioned this. the core, Jesus. <laughs> <Look great. laughs> we'll get to I, it I, later. We'll yeah, we'll get, get to it. I've, 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 got, I've got to get my Heath Slater references in, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, at, at like the core of, of this gimmick, there's actually a really, really good idea. It's just the, the, problem, <laughs> the problem becomes is that certain ideas weren't taken far enough. Yeah. And other ideas were taken to like an absolute absurd extreme. <laughs> <laughs> darn right, darn right. If you ask me, uh, the other like, yeah, there, there's there's a whole lot of stuff happening, and you know everyone's trying to figure their way through everything. It was and it was a weird. I, I love I love the whole thing of them being like, you know, we've been held down by the system. We're retaliating now. You know, we've taken on these names because they wanted to make, you know, they wanted to make a joke out of us, whatever, and do that. Yes, I would have Mustafa Ali debut, almost debut first, and then bring them in, rather than starting on the the absolute, like, almost, I also say jumping the shark moment. It's not really. <laughs> the, the big moment of, like, destroying the ring. And Chaining the, the saw. Whatever. Yeah. Chain, uh, chainsawing the ropes <laughs> right yeah because like you couldn't really go much further with that You, would, I feel like with the whole chainsaw stuff at the beginning because they established that so early on with the group when they eventually had to wrestle I feel like the presentation of it just kind of it dissipated went... it just like... yeah it dissipated a group a it was just kind of, it was just kind of yeah, because now like this group where they're like we are anti-establishment and we don't play by the rules um we'll now be having an organized rules match ah. don't forget the shaky cam at the entrance See, like, speaking of that <laughs> that, like... <laughs> that same night though that they revealed themselves they did actually have make their ring ring debut in the main event of raw going up against the hurt business losing by disqualification <laughs> No, but like, okay, I, I know losing by disqualification is booky as hell. 
but like a, a group which are anti-establishment and don't play by the rules <laughs> getting disqualified is not too far of a logical conclusion that's true that is true <laughs> now but, let's not forget also... oh god yes <laughs> but also why are they having an organized match in the first place <laughs> remember this is the world of wwe where rules don't make sense dan you should know this by now <laughs> as i was saying so why were they going up against the hurt business because if you guys remember mustafa ali was actually in a feud with the hurt business at this point Yes. <laughs> Not that WWE tell you that fact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if memory serves me correct, they were trying to convince Ali to become a member of the Hurt Business at one yeah, point. Yeah, they, they were trying to convince Ali to become a member of the Hurt Business by saying that they could help elevate him on the card. <laughs> which you which know then, what? Which then, which then led to them going to Cedric Alexander. Yeah, you know what? I wouldn't have said no. In, in an alternate universe to Ali being a member of the Hurt Business, but that's just me. <laughs> I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been opposed to it, but I just like felt I just love the idea of um the Hurt Business just being what they were. Yeah. And just being like the the pro the prospect of having a non racial stable that consisted of mostly black wrestlers. Hmm. Because as we said in the end of year retrospective in 2020, Hurt Business was the best thing WWE had the entire year. <laughs> yes. <Yep. laughs> yes, they did. So, come the 5th of October episode of Raw, it was revealed that Mustafa Ali was the leader of Retribution and ordered them to attack the Hurt Business during his match with MVP. Two days afterwards... Mercedes Martinez was quietly re requested her quiet removal from the group and returned to NXT. Honestly, for Martinez, I can fully understand why she wanted to kind of leave. Not because of the whole, the silliness of the whole thing, but her reasoning was she just didn't think that she would fit in really well with the whole dynamic of it and kind of wanted to go back to NXT to kind of establish her own niche with the with the NXT crowd and so on, because she never really got enough is, time this, to, to well, be able to do say, that in this NXT. This was a side note, but weren't they prepping her for a title program? They were. They actually were, <laughs> and that's the and and that's that's the thing that sucks about that when when that when it all happened. Uh, that's why I say it confused me because they had so many engaging, they had so many storylines before they came into Retribution, which is I think which is another reason as to why it didn't it didn't have as much of an impact as it could have had um, if they had kind of slowly planted the seeds for each individual member in NXT. Um, so yeah, that happened. <laughs> and um, come the next Raw, Retribution would go on to lose a four versus four tag match to the Hurt Business after T-Bar submitted to Lashley's Hurt Lock. What do you uh, think it says about your stable when someone's like, nah, I'm good. Afterwards, I'll, I'll, I'll leave. Afterwards, they were all attacked by the Fiend. <laughs> Let's not forget that oh, note. Oh my god, I forgot that was a thing. <laughs> I remember that now. So, it's safe to say, we're not off to the most flying of starts for a brand new stable, are we? <laughs> oh, look. You just got fiended. Can we, can we actually, before we go on to the whole him 
slightly having a mini feud with The Fiend here. Can we just talk about, for all of the stuff that happened with Retribution, can I just say I really love the presentation of Ali like joining Retribution? Yes. Yes. Actually, yes. That, that was a, that was a good moment. That was, actually, that was really cool. Like when he was just like going outside the ring, he comes back in to join Retribution, and then like commands them to go. That was an awesome looking reveal. Like that was like a really cool presentation, especially like with them sort of like ending and like Ali doing you know the hand signal that he's always done yep. for like his entrances to the face and then the lights going black like for me that was the slight tease of like oh maybe there's more intrigue here because i think when ali was revealed as the leader this is 100 percent me probably being pretty biased towards ali here <laughs> really it kind of brought more life to the group yes no I, it, I would go as far as to say that yeah it, it, felt, it felt like it was giving it all a bit of direction mm. yeah it, it gave them direction and a through line to kind of like because people were already talking about the smackdown hacker stuff yeah and like who was doing all of that stuff i i wish from that point they had taken more of a focus on that that kind well, of this like... was this was the thing right because they obviously they mentioned oh like harley just kind of in the middle of a promo on like smackdown was just like i am the smackdown hacker by the way just in the middle of his sentence yeah Mm. And it was just never addressed again. <laughs> yeah. Just a bigger oh oh okay. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> that 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 gentleman is the Bruce Pritchard way of, of cutting a promo. Because, like the SmackDown hacker stuff, we never know how good it could have been because it just kind of ended. <laughs> mm. And then they drop this one line to be like, "Hey, we didn't forget. Yeah, mm. it's done now." That was me. I didn't do anything. Sick. It's just, just, it's just Mustafa Ali going. It was me, Barry, and moving on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is going to sound like a comparison, a, l- a little throwback to previous episodes on this podcast. But I feel like I need to compare it to the Nexus as an example here. Mm. So the Nexus's whole thing goal very similar to retribution in a sense nxt guys who came up and wanted to show that they were just as big of a threat as anyone else right Mm. but i feel like what would have made retribution kind of different to that and would have been quite cool is if they actually took the hacking part of that far more into the character of retribution yeah like not like to make the whole like them trying to take over kind of make more sense in story mm. because at the time there wasn't really any authority figures on the shows so like if you had this is me 100% fantasy booking right now so <laughs> uh, for me I I look at Retribution with this and I'm thinking because they did that brief thing on Twitter where they took over yes WWE they took over the, the Twitter account yep, that yeah was... they took over WWE social media I would love it if they just had maybe for like a couple weeks of television with Mustafa now at the helm, them actively taking over the shows of Raw and SmackDown. Are we talking yeah. like sort and of a Max Headroom hacking into yes. the TV feed sort of thing? Yes, I am talking no, no, like this, hacking... was, this, this was the thing that we were saying, which is like they should be appearing on Raw and SmackDown. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Hey, 
Anyway, do you remember that time when they announced that they signed Retribution to contracts? Oh god, during the yes, during the the, the brand, yeah, the brand split, the draft. <laughs> oh my me, god! For me, I feel like they should have, like this whole hack thing, actually take WWE hostage. No, yeah. no, this this I, when when I said certain things didn't go far enough, yeah. they were just there and went. Oh, by the way. Ali, yeah, I'm the SmackDown hacker. No, make that a point. It would have been. I, I think even that the is your hook. even the tiniest visual of a visual glitch during the live feed and the WWE live watermark gets replaced with the Retribution logo. It's stuff. Yeah. The tiniest details and stuff like that. I think would have really gone far for the we're stable as a whole. Yeah. We're talking about stuff that a good social media. A good social person running the social media could very easily do, especially considering. <clears throat> you know what's sad? Yeah, yeah, especially considering that Mustafa Ali was more or less doing that already. Yeah, you know what? The like, realization. Uh, you know what's sad? Aces and eights did it better than Retribution. <laughs> when aces and eights is doing its presentation better than you you need to ask stock questions <laughs> uh, it's it, it's honestly a shame because like we can all say this in hindsight of like how this angle could have been yeah i'm sorry here's the thing connor here's the thing connor we weren't saying this in hindsight. <laughs> we were saying this in sight. <laughs> no, right, but here's, but here's the simplest thing that you can do with this, right? You have this group, and in one of the most bait angles that you could pitch ever as a concept, okay? Are you ready for this? Because I'm about to say something absolutely incredible that no one's ever heard before or pitched as a storyline. The revolution will be televised. <laughs> That's the only common thread you would have needed. So basically, the WWE 13 trailer. Yeah. Remember that like, whole thing with, with Punk being on the rostrum, kind of inciting a revolution almost? Like, it, yeah, like... That's the because, thing, man. Like, is, it's not like you haven't thing, though, done right? this thing before. <laughs> because, like, they they could have played on so much. Mm. They would have had so much space, and it could have let them be so creative with how to approach this. Because, and remember, there's so many different. There's so many different. Like, it sounds stupid, right? But there's so many ways to be anti-establishment. And remember, you had no crowd, so you had freedom to pre-record stuff as well. <laughs> it's nuts you had all this opportunity but you still didn't you didn't really fully capitalize on it wwe <laughs> honestly 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 i i, I want to rescind my previous statement on like my my first feelings and i wish to replace it with with a very classic saying how do you fuck that up <laughs> how so let's go over some of the rivalries that Retribution had during their time as a stable. Of course, they first feuded with the Hurt Business. Um, it ended up one of the most, uh, one of the first kind of big shows they would have at a pay per view was uh, that M uh, Bobby Lashley would face off against Slapjack for the U.S. Championship. Lashley 
comfortably defeated Slapjack to retain the championship. Go on, Retribution would go on, then attack Bobby Lashley, but would retreat when the rest of the Hurt business would come to save him. They on the following episode of Raw, all uh, all three members, uh, sorry, four members, Ali, T-Bar, Slapjack, and Mace would go on in a four-on-four elimination tag match against the Hurt Business, losing once again by disqualification after Ali hit Cedric Alexander with a chair. Retribution would end up picking up their very first win on the 16th of November episode of Raw, defeating Keith Lee, Braun Strowman, Sheamus, and Matt Riddle. <laughs> Raw's Survivor Series team leading into Survivor Series, may I say. And wasn't that when they had the angle where, like, Matt uh, Sheamus, like, booted someone on his own team or something? Yes. Yeah, wasn't that also the same show where, like, Raw Survivor Series team dominated? Against SmackDown? Yeah. Jay is the leader? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, they ended up having a a rivalry with the gobbledygooker. If you remember, the, if, if anyone remembers an episode of Main Event on Ms. TV where the gobbledygooker was the special guest and Ali and Retribution beat the ever-loving shit out of the gobbledygooker. <laughs> I never knew that happened. It happened. And, and I went back what? and watched it, and it was awful. You, you know what? I am worse off for you telling me that. You know, when you're fighting the gobbledygooker, like, three months you after just, your debut, debut you like, it's over. There, right? Yeah. Like, like, un- 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 unless, unless it is on specifically the Survivor Series pay-per-view in a backstage segment, just you know, call it there. You know what upsets me the most? It wasn't even Hector Guerrero. It was Drew Gulak. I mean, it, was in, it was Drew Gulak under the costume. I mean, hey, Drew Gulak being in the gobbledygook outfit. God, how they massacred my boy. <laughs> but also, I'm fairly sure Hector Guerrero at this point is like, what, 80? Yeah, true. I mean, yeah, true, but still. <laughs> but still. Like, I get their anti-establishment, but I feel like beating up an old man in a costume is a bit like... <laughs> Oh, you know what makes it I even funnier? You know what makes me even funnier when I found out when I found out about the gobbledygooker. We'll have to do a future episode. He was once portrayed by Maurice. Right. Okay. I will leave you with that, gentlemen. Anyway, uh, the next rivalry, of course, would begin with Ricochet. And uh, that, of course, the the whole storyline with Ricochet was that they were trying to convince him to join Retribution course ricochet would refuse and reject the offers over and over again narrowly escaping by doing you know his great acrobatic feats that he is so famous for doing um and it didn't really lead to much it kind of fizzled out because the next storyline if you guys remember was with the new day specifically kofi kingston because if it weren't for ali getting injured Kofi would never have become WWE champion, and that was the hook for this storyline. Now, that's a great potential angle. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's you're the one that stole my opportunity from me. But it was never really followed up on because no. several weeks, like a few weeks into it, they would uh, T-Bar and Mace would lose a tag match against the New Day, and they, they were already showing signs of a potential split with the group. Uh, Ali was beginning to show frustration, criticizing the whole group for losing matches, berating them, pushing them around. They would then soon, on 
the fast lane pay per view, not even the it was the kickoff show, if memory serves me correct. Reckoning and Slapjack walked out on Ali, and then T Bar and Mace threw him through an announce table. And that was after, I believe, Ali. Ali, actually, it was a US Championship match, if memory serves me yeah. correct. Ali was going up against then-champion Matt Riddle. So, yeah. That is kind of the official end of Retribution, because pretty much after that, as Connor said, Ali would go on to form a tag team with Mansoor. Uh, Mason T. Barr would continue on as a tag team you know, still within the retribution garb and still using that aesthetic. Reckoning and Slapjack wouldn't return to uh wouldn't return to television. Mia Yim would come back in the 2021 draft and soon after that, uh Shane Fawn was released um yeah. from the group. Um oh from WWE I should say. Um Mason T Bar were then in that same draft, Mason T Bar were split up. T Bar would stay on Raw. Mace was drafted to SmackDown, and of course, Mace would end up becoming Marseille, along with Mansoir as maximum male models. <laughs> but of course, maximum male models. <laughs> it's a great gimmick, isn't it? It's great. Right. Yeah. It's it's the modern incarnation of Rick the Model Martel in what, what every makes, way, shape, or form. What makes it for me? And it in, it's at that moment, aside from him. Dio making a JoJo reference for his name. Mm. It's the fact that Marseille, in one of the promos, had Dolphamingo sunglasses from One Piece. Yeah, and it, I I knew from that moment, you're my boy. I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't go against it. <laughs> like I, I have to root for you. You you, you deliberately exposed in your li- in your own way One Piece to WWE, and that that just makes me happy. <laughs> Would you like to know the one and only accomplishment that Retribution ever won? They accomplished something? Okay, let me let me think about this. They won an accomplishment, and I'm guessing it, well, it was never a belt. <laughs> I'm guessing... Okay, when you say accomplishment, are you being snidey? I'm being snidey, yeah. <laughs> um... Is it for something like, um, oh, well, no, could it be like a, a worst gimmick of the year? It was the WrestleCrap Gooker Award. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. you know that you have messed up so bad with a stable and a storyline when you've got Eric Bischoff saying... <laughs> And I quote, how could you possibly screw up an invasion storyline anymore in such a short period of time? Vince Russo saying, for looking like a bunch of kids running around the neighborhood causing hijinks like Dennis the Menace, it sure was a load of crap. Wow, I I need a, I need a take a moment on that. Vince Russo taking shots. Accurate shot, man. And so as everyone everyone made the common thing as well is that um 
I think the, the from wrestling journalism, the one true kind of consensus with Retribution, as I've looked from everyone to Wade Keller to Sean Ross Sapp, the one thing that always got brought up was, is this WWE's sat- <laughs> satirical take on Antifa? Now, this was a point I wanted to bring up. <laughs> so I'm happy that we're here. Because it's why I want to talk about in-universe context and out-of-universe context. (laughs) Because there's two key parts of context to this gimmick I think are important to think about. First off is the rise of me in general just talking about Antifa as if they're an active group and not just a concept. Yeah. Which, you know, I can't... I don't know I can expect... um, (laughs) Uh, in a sentence i never thought i'd ever hear myself say and let it be on record uh, i can't expect vince mcmahon um himself to understand the concept of explicitly or i can't expect him to understand explicitly um the concept of anti-fascism as an ideology and not as an active group of people um so there's that because obviously things like Black Lives Matter were becoming very prominent, and discussions about social justice were becoming very common. Mm-hmm. And dominating the news cycle in amongst the pandemic. Now, the other one I have is the fact that not long prior to this, WWE had actively been releasing talent from contracts in the middle of a pandemic. And <laughs> I think all of us here, and most of our listeners, probably about 99.99 recurring percent of our listeners, can acknowledge the problem that comes with having a group of wrestlers that feel they've been aggrieved and left out by the system <clears throat> at the same time you're actively releasing masses of talent with no opportunity to work. Yay. <laughs> Like subtlety, I feel like I, I feel like that may may have been lost somewhere in the pipeline. Okay, okay. I, I, it's, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm also glad that we we've, we've hit this point. I, um, my thoughts and feelings on it. The timing is suspicious. To be to be very clear, <laughs> obviously, we're in the middle of you know the George, the you know Antifa, George Floyd protests, all of that stuff. Yeah. So it so I think it's more than reasonable to assume that if you're looking outside the world, this is something that would inspire you to 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 take elements of that storyline. Right. Mm. That makes sense. However. I honest to God, in my heart of heart, thinks we're giving McMahon and Co too much credit. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. This is, this is the thing I said, though, right? This is the thing I said, though. So much of this smacks as me as an idea someone said in the writing room, mm. like as an offhand thing, and then someone jumped on it and went, "Yes, yeah." I and and, <gasps> I also, and yeah, and I also think that um. The reason uh, I uh, the reason I say this is be- not only that I see too much I see too much of the DNA and frankly too much of the too many of the previous mistakes that we've seen with those these kinds of storylines to give it 
to give it to them. You know what I mean? Nexus, the WCW invasion. invasion. Yeah, Occupy Raw, the Summer of Punk, Nation of Domination, I would would put on that pile, actually. You know what? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Where like you know where that the entire point of the entire point of like of the rocks transformation into the rock was management and fans and all of that stuff. I see too much of the DNA there to really say give it a one to one. But this is that's this is, what this I is, think. This is this is the this is the thing though. I feel like there's just rather it's one of those situations of rather than looking at one big mistake, there were so <laughs> many mistakes along the way that never got resolved. <laughs> Because again, though, it, like we know, WWE is not the best with logical consistency. <laughs> but like, why are a group of wrestlers who feel like they're aggrieved by the system and want to fight against it taking on contracts to have organized matches? Don't yes. forget, not far alongside this was Raw Underground. Oh gosh! Oh my god! Yeah, you're right. Oh, why the fuck were Retribution in Raw Underground? Man, I feel like we should actually talk about Raw Underground as an episode in the future and talk about yeah, the, talk about oh, the take on that one as well. I was going to say talk Honestly. about the impact of the Def Jam games in professional wrestling. Uh, you know <laughs> what? You know I what? I had an idea for Raw Underground. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're going to have to make that happen. Honestly, we'll bring. I'll tell you what, Connor. We'll bring you back specifically for Raw Underground. <laughs> Anyone, anyone else that's like observing this must think this is some kind of strange relationship that we have towards working together. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Connor. No, seriously, we don't. <laughs> we really do. But I feel like we give you some of the. So we give you some weird episodes to work with. Like we've given you anonymous raw general manager, and now we've given you retribution. <laughs> Look, look, my limited podcasting career, I went outside the box for certain bits. I'll take it off. <laughs> At least we're not telling, we're not doing a retrospective of Rick Astley, so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Consider yourself lucky in that regard. No, Connor, like, what are your kind of, like, you know, views on this? Like, what I've got over, like, like you know, with everyone calling them wrestling Antifa? <laughs> I mean, I, I can see it. I think, for me, Retribution as a whole is just a whole angle of like as we've kind of discussed like things that should have went a little bit further and things that just didn't really go far enough mm. and part of that it we weren't there for the whole writing creation of it we yeah. don't quite know the plans everything it's all entirely speculation but like it, it's just the case of how do i describe it Things not going according to plan, and <laughs> them trying to adjust everything on the fly in mm. the entire pandemic. Like, <laughs> it, it's a weird thing to look at retribution in hindsight because it's it's almost like a weird microcosm of WWE in the pandemic. Yes, it's it's this faction that lived and ended throughout that entire crazy period of life. And not even just like in a wrestling sense, that weird presence in life where at the time wrestling just felt incredibly episodic. Yeah. It was going from week to week to week with these changes and retribution kind of became that weird representation of it in a way. Mm-hmm. Where things were being thrown at the wall and seeing what would stick. <laughs> yeah. 
and yeah, I don't really know how else to touch on it from what we've already discussed with it. I think yeah, Retribution had a lot of interesting pieces to it, and I think it's a shame that it didn't end up succeeding as I would have hoped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is very it is very true. It is very true. Rather than ending on a dour note, I'm gonna do a where are they now for each member. <laughs> so Mustafa Ali, the leader of the group, is still contracted to WWE under the Royal Brand. There was a little bit of time where he did request his uh, request his release from the company. This relationship seemed particularly sour on both sides. But um, now with Vince gone, there seems to be a concerted effort to make sure that Ali is a player within the upper mid card of Raw. He's having a really good rivalry with uh, Lashley and with Seth Rollins for the US title. Things are looking positive for Mustafa Ali. It's nice to see for once that there there is actually some positivity behind Mustafa Ali within the company. Of course, as we said, Mace is now Marseille and is part of Maximum Male Models with Mansoir. Um, formerly leader was uh, Max Dupree, but now it is Maxine Dupree. <laughs> Work your way around. Where, whatever happened to LA Knight? No. <laughs> yeah. So- uh, Slapjack, Shane Fawn was released from the company, but he is now contracted uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he reunited with Mikey Nichols to reform TMDK. As a massive it's fan it's of the Mighty Don't Kneel, that makes me a very happy boy to see them. They are apparently they are in the tag league actually this year as well. Yes. If memory serves me correct. Really nice to see those two back and still kicking ass as a bloody good tag team. T Bar is currently in nxt promos have been playing throughout the past few weeks internally he is under the name of donovan dijak which is what he was in the indies i'm excited are we going to get kind of like a re a reinvigorated donovan dijak where he's the same as we know him but there is a different um, intention for him being now i'm excited to see what dijak gallops to gets up to because he is an amazing big guy wrestler he is basically he's the he's the other side of the coin to keith lee in that he's an an incredibly exciting wrestler big for his size should not be able to move the way he does is i'm excited as all heck to see dijak back in nxt that's for sure reckoning mia yim once released from the company ended up spending a little bit of time in impact wrestling throughout 2021 and 2022 always kicking ass she is now back in wwe under in the raw brand um as part well working with the oc to take on the judgment day really happy to see mia yin back in wwe and as for mercedes martinez she is now in aew where she is currently the ring of honor women's world champion so not all really was bad well not all bad happened to each and every other member but it took a while for them to kind of get back to being seen as serious wrestlers i guess if you know what i mean you know that's actually really nice to hear honestly (laughs) yeah it's it's very uplifting yeah (laughs) so there that is where we're gonna end on our episode of retribution whatever for an episode that i didn't think we had a lot to say we had a lot to say (laughs) about retribution 
it helps that we're long-winded it's all hell exactly oh, yeah. and we, it's nice to know that we have a guest who is always happy to go off on, on tangents as we always oh. are <laughs> oh i'm i'm a big fan of monologues <laughs> <laughs> So before I head off and do my, uh, we head off, we do the ending spiel and reveal what the next episode is going to be. Connor, may I just say, thank you so much for coming back. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, if you have anything to reveal uh, or anything to the kind of like sh- uh, share, like socials, uh, where you're going to be uh, in terms of uh, where you're going to be in certain wrestling events here and there, if you can announce them. Now's the, the floor is yours to announce what you've got going on. Uh, I haven't really got any major matches lined up at the moment, you know, pending, because you never know, <laughs> wrestling's wild. Uh, but if you'd like to follow me on any of my escapades, you can follow me on Twitter, if it doesn't die, at, <laughs> at, at tig underscore pw. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, same plug, tig underscore pw. And if you want to... See me on TikTok. You can also follow me on the same thing, Tig underscore PW, where I usually post a lot more there now. And also, he'll he'll show he'll show TikToks of a mean fisherman suplex. Because let me just say, that bridge is insane. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've, I've kind of dropped the move recently. I've, I've been doing a lot more different things. But you gotta pop the boys. I'm sorry now. You gotta you gotta, you gotta pop us free now with the fisherman suplex. Oh. We'll let we'll let you know when you're when we're coming to one of your shows. Just so you have it in the pocket. <laughs> I mean, I have it in the pocket. I can do it. Like <laughs> you just, there, you do it, there. and you just suddenly hear three people out of the back of the of the venue going, "Ah!" Take, 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 take. It's up there with my chop blocks and my my knee bars. <laughs> there you go. T bar. No, no. <laughs> the cornerstone of any nutritious wrestler. No. <laughs> I mean, take you know, take T bar. <laughs> Tick bar. T bar. Are we are we are we are we right now currently coming up with a name for the knee bar right now at this instant? I mean Maybe. I mean if I bust it out, yeah, it will be in my head. <laughs> Soon enough, uh no, I was going to say, why don't you just add being pilmanized as one of your moves as well, grabbing a chair and... No, you know what? I've, I've, just, I've, got, I've got to stop. I've got to stop. <laughs> no, but again, Connor, thank you so much for appearing, man. It's it's always a pleasure to be able to chat me. with you. Oh, okay, so next episode. <laughs> I have been looking forward to this one for a very, very long time. It's a Terry Funk retrospective and who better to bring in to talk about Terry Funk than the man, the myth, the legend behind New Legacy Inc. The main man, Mr. Dino Winwood, is joining us for that episode. I am so excited. I have been a fan of New Legacy for ages. Dino makes me laugh on a consistent basis. And yes, did I bring Dino in because he does a solid Terry Funk impression? You bet your bottom dollar I brought him in because he does a solid Terry Funk impression. (laughs) It's all coming up next week. We're going to go over the entire career of Terry Funk, including his movie career. If you remember Terry Funk's movie career and his music career, that one album he made in Japan. (laughs) All of that is going to get discussed on the next episode. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Dan, Reardon and Connor. This has been the Sweet Chinwag Podcast and we will see you as always on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. See you around, everyone.